Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Talking about something that's really, really important. I was reflecting on this whole thought of relationships, this series, because I don't think I've ever done a series like this where I've been so specific. I've obviously spoke about relationships, friendships generally, but never spoken about this kind of material in the, the context of, of here. I've done it in smaller groups, smaller gatherings, but never in the wider context. And what I believe is that healthy relationships are the bedrock of every community. They're the bedrock of every society and they're the bedrock of every church. If we don't have healthy relationships, then we're going to suffer. And as I said last week, I started week one and I spoke to the whole thought of singleness you know, those who are single, those who find themselves on their own. And if I can just say thank you for the amazing feedback that, um, from that message as we sought to understand what the Bible said and how we celebrate singleness. If you are single here today, if you are a widow or a widower, we want to say we love you and we welcome you here and we don't want you under any pressure. And if you were not here last week and you are single or you, you weren't here last week, and you may be married, then I'd still encourage you to listen to the podcast. And I trust that it will be a blessing to you. But today we're going to be talking about the whole area of being married. Marrieds. Because it's so important. It's another part of relationships. What I realized with regard to relationships, I referenced this last week and just slightly different. Because when I talk about relationships, we can often begin to do one of two things, but I'm going to encourage us to do a third thing. First of all, some people in relationships, Andy, they look back. So if you're here today and you've been divorced one, two, three, five, seven, thirteen times, immediately we think to ourselves, oh my goodness, I don't need to hear this. La, 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 la. I'm going to get a bashing. I'm going to get a Bible bashing. I'm going to, you're not going to get any of that. I want to say you're so welcome here today. You know, this is not a time to look back. It's a time to look forward. And we don't condemn you and neither does God. Some of you don't believe that, but it's true. The second thing is that we can often look sideways. And in today's message, hopefully we've got two images. I I, I never checked this through. Yeah, we've got the first image here. And this is... This is for the wives to the husbands. In your minds now, you know about marriage. I'm going to do a session. You go, go get it, Christian. I hope he's listening to this. So it's the sideways nudge. I hope he's listening to this. But men, this is what you're thinking now. When Christian mentions sex, I do hope her pen doesn't run out of ink when taking notes. Because I am going to reference it. I'm not going to in any way make us feel squirmy. Isaac said to me, I don't know, my son, he says, I don't know what I want to be in tomorrow's message. This was last night. Dad, as you talk about sex. He says, mate, we're not going to be getting images out and videos and, you know, chill out. Where is he? He's now really embarrassed. Yeah, he's now really embarrassed. But we can often look sideways husbands or wives. I'm not asking us to look back and I certainly don't want us looking sideways. But what I do want us to do is look inwards. Because we have to say, how does this first apply to me? 
I want to say I'm not speaking from a specialist position. There's some people here, we celebrated Joan and Gordon's. Was it 60 years of marriage? It was, wasn't it? Yes, 60 years. And some of you have done 50 years and some others have done, you know, 35 years. And Caroline and I, my wife and I, we've done 25 years, uh, which is quite a lengthy sort of time, I guess. But I want to say I'm not speaking from a specialist position, but I'm speaking from really continuing to be a posture of learning and still developing. Uh, The the past 25 years of our married life has hopefully will be a springboard into a greater fulfillment. We're seeking to get better in this whole area. So for those who are married, I wonder if you get your pens and pencils out, your your notepads, your phones. Don't go on Facebook. Don't go on Twitter. Just take notes. Just lean in uh, for a minute and and we'll get to it. But before I do that, I do want to just take a moment just to pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word says so much about all kinds of things. A lot of us think it's just a book of rules and regulations. It's not. It's a manual for life and for living. And if we would just lean into this book, we'd learn so much about the best way to live our lives. And I just pray that you would anoint me, you'd give me authority to speak into this whole subject this morning, both for those who are in faith and those who aren't in faith, that we would all learn together. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. There was a woman who was really lonely. And so she posted an, on, an ad on a popular website. The ad simply said, Husband Wanted. She was surprised the next morning to find she had over 100 replies in her inbox. Unfortunately, they all said the same thing. You can have mine. (laughs) Somebody also said that marriage is like a deck of cards. You've heard this before. It begins with hearts and diamonds. And then a few years in, it all ends up with clubs and spades. (laughs) There are many jokes about being married about our spouses, about our husbands and wives. And listen to me, whilst I understand the humor, and at times it is funny, I would caution us to take the Bible seriously in this area. And I would like us to just reference a few things. Because in the book of beginnings, which is Genesis, we see in the first early chapters of Genesis that God declares it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to send him a helper, a wife. And God created Eve, and she was a helper to him. And then a few verses later, he says, and this is the reason, talking about Adam and Eve and husband and wife, he was talking about, and this is the reason a man will leave his mother and father, and they will be united, and they will become one flesh. It's interesting that at the very beginning, God ordained marriage and he ordained that coming together of a husband and a wife, which is all wonderful. And you say, well, that's great. I already know about that. But how do I build this thing called marriage? And that is the big question because it's easy to step into relationship, but oftentimes people don't know how to build it. And that is my experience of talking with couples of all ages from all backgrounds and from all different parts of society. They want to get married, but they don't know how to build a healthy relationship. And yet the New Testament, which is part of the Bible, says so much about how to build. And I want to just, for a moment, just take Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. It's beginning there. And we'll just read a few verses from the Bible. They're on the screen. It says this, 
out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. It's talking about marriage and coming together. It'd be good for us to underline that verse. Be courteously reverent to one another. Then it goes on to say, wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. I think those verses, we'll stop there, are so balanced for both husbands and wives. By the way, I am predominantly speaking to those who are in faith. These are faith principles. You may not be in faith today. In some ways you can listen. I do think there are some things you can learn from. But I'm predominantly talking, which is very unusual for me, to the church family. You know, on average, the typical marriage lasts 11 years and 7 months, according to up-to-date statistics. And 42% of marriages end in divorce. It's quite frightening. Some of the statistics, particularly around this country that we live in. Upon doing some research around this, I thought, you know, is there some information that I can get? I was was struck by the, the Daily Mail research. It's not quite a, a broadsheet, a broad but it's a decent enough paper. And they'd done a survey on, you know, what are the secrets to a happy marriage? The first one was never change each other. Secondly was compliment them. Thirdly, rewrite your history. Just because it was bad, it doesn't mean to say it's going to be bad moving forward. Four, always listen. Number five, don't get comfortable. Number six, do chores together. Husband, that means you've got to, you know, do the washing with your wife and do the ironing with your wife and wives. You've got to do, get under the bonnet of the car. I'm sorry I'm being so sexist in that. It might be that you like going under the bonnet of the car and the husband like doing the washing and the ironing. I don't know. But the point is we do our chores together. I'm not quite sure about that one, but anyway. <laughs> Seventhly, work out together. Oh, yes. You know, we're getting on down. Okay, work out. And number eight, take a weekly walk. This is great advice in all seriousness, but... What I want to do just for the time that we've got together is just drive down into the weeds a little bit, into the details a little more, because I'm aware that I have 30 minutes with you guys, and I want to maximize and make the most of them. Let me just also say that really this demands, this message demands probably two one-hour sessions at least to just talk through this stuff. And, uh, you know, it may be that that's something that we look to do in the coming year to just help us on Saturday morning, I dare say. Not for those who are in crisis, but just how can we build better relationships in our marriages. But so for time, I think there may be some resources that's going to come on the screen and we'll leave them there for just a few moments and you can get them afterwards. But there are some books, there are some websites that I'd encourage you to look at. Whilst they're there, Caroline and I have really gone on a journey to try and you know, just get better in this whole area. You know, we, 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 go, we go through money finance courses and there's one today and we read money books and I read a lot of leadership material, management material because I want to become a better leader and a better manager. You know, I, I, I read the Bible because I want to become a better Christian and I want to know God better. And yet, you know, in this area of marriage that I've committed to for life, 
we, very, we often spend no time at all trying to help ourselves and build ourselves. And the websites and the books are predominantly Christian, but there are some good non-Christian resources as well. But these are building blocks that we're going to be talking about that are founded on love. And this love is a love of the will. It's a choice. It's a commitment. It's not just the fuzzy love, the sexual love, the intimacy love of all. You know, I desire you. This is, these blocks are founded on a commitment, a choice of will. So I have a few pointers. First of all, I want to say is this. I think if we're going to build great marriages, we need to capture this phrase that is this. We are there to li- we, we, we live to give. We live to give. We've already read it. It says there, wives understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. And then a few verses later, it says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. You know, submission and honor is a choice. Submission, honour, is a choice. You know, I've come across too many ladies who said about their husbands, he, he just demands that I, that I submit to him. Listen to me, fellas. If you're demanding anything of your wives like that, then I want to say the very basis of your relationship is skewed immediately. I don't have to demand anything from Caroline. And it's not because we are perfect. And for those who've heard us, you know we are far from perfect. We have words most weeks. Not shouting words, she's smiling at me now, all angelic. <laughs> but that's the, that's the reality. But I don't have to demand that she, you know, submits to us, or she doesn't have to demand that I honour her. It's part of what we do, because we live to give. We understand that this is a partnership. This is a loving relationship that we have entered into. We understand that we are going to need to give away, and we are going to need to, listen to me, compromise somebody needs to be the peacemaker it always seems to be like I'm the peacemaker in our I'm looking for the bolt of lightning you know Caroline she'll get me later for that one absolutely and behind your laughter you all know that that's not true secondly it's not just about submission and honor. It's about selfless living. I read these verses a number of years ago. And they're strange verses. And in the New International Version, it says this. Proverbs 30, verse 15. The leech has two daughters, and give, give, they cry. And I read this in a very contemporary version, and I loved the thought of it. And it really just helped me in what we was trying to address. Because in a contemporary version, it says, The leech, the leech has two twin daughters named Gimme, and give me more. And I was impacted by that, you know, because that's how some people live their married lives. It's all about what they can take. It's all about what they can demand. It's all about what they can have. And I want to tell you that is not a basis for good married life. It's about selfless living. How can I serve my spouse? The thirdly is joyfully loving. We love and we give joyfully. And fourthly, if we're going to live to give, I'm going to have to race through these. There's a, there's a, there's in, in essence, this whole thought of an intimacy of a touch in a non-sexual way. I'm talking particularly for men. I, I have struggles with this. Let me, let me be honest. As soon as I'm anywhere near my wife, we was encouraged 
to just put out, in fact, just come here for a moment, Caroline, if you will. Just come here for a moment. Quickly, because I'm, I'm running on the clock, sweetheart. I'm running on the clock. Okay. You can see how patient I am and how kind and compassionate. She's now at the, at the kitchen sink, washing the pots and, you know, just... No, 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 no. No, you've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. She's now just... She's, she's now washing something out of the sink and we were encouraging this marriage session to just walk up to your wife, do that tenderly, and then walk away. Well, you can see the problem that I had with that. Oh my goodness, it's only going to go one way when I want to touch my wife tenderly. Just sit down for a moment. But this is my point. There's something about an intimate touch in a non-sexual way. And some of our wives, listen, if we talk about marriage here, that's what they need. There's a sense in which they feel like they're heard and understood. Now, blokes, I am being very general. Let's be honest, and I could see you ladies, you were laughing your heads off, and you blokes just a wry smile, because you get it. It's only going to go one way, but we live to give. Secondly, if we're going to build healthy blocks, we've got to manage irritations. You may say, I married him. He is the irritation. No, he's not. Let me tell you, he's not the irritation. He does irritating things, but he is not the irritation. The irritations can become road bumps, potholes. They can take us off course, seriously. So I want you to lean into this particular point. And it's interesting that, you know, in those early weeks, it's lovely. And then a few weeks on, it can be, and we've heard this recently, you know, two months into the marriage, there was a road bump with a couple. Because there were now, the honeymoon was over, and now things were majorly irritating them. But listen to me. I've also spoke to, to couples who the season of life means they've now got children and they're really busy and they're sleep deprived. And there's major irritations that begin to happen. And it's a season of life that we're in. And it can become a major irritation. I've also, by the way, come across people who the kids have flown the nest and they've now got grandchildren And they're majorly irritated by one another. So it doesn't matter how long you've been married or how old you are. We need to manage the irritations. Why? Because the statistic tells us if we don't, the average marriage lasts 11 years, 7 months. We can become over-familiar. We don't manage the irritations. And guess what? We stop trying and working at this thing called our marriage. Four very quick things that can cause them. First of all, personal habits. Personal habits can become major irritations very quickly. Toothpaste lid. On or off? Who's on? Put your hands up. Who wants it on? Who always leads it off? Put your hand up. Some of you are a bunch of liars and you're not getting involved in it at all. I won't ask for for a take on this, but toilet seat top or toilet seat down. Untidiness, snoring, personal habits. Secondly, differing tastes. The amount of frustration that couples have had when they're just choosing a simple carpet three-piece sweet color I don't like that one I don't like this one I don't like this one I'm not having that one I'm not paying that one and different tastes thirdly household management you ladies get really frustrated when your husband says I will definitely repair fill in the blank and weeks later 
It's still like it. Can I hear a big amen, ladies? <laughs> Equally, and I know I'm being very general, and please, please don't shoot me. I'm just trying to make, when I say light of it, just ease it up a little bit, because some of this is difficult stuff. You know, with regard to household management, you just think you could go and buy that new dress, that new shoes, that new handbag, that new hat, that new purse, and it's fine, but the husband is handling the money and it's the household management and it causes irritation. Our spending habits, if we don't control them. And fourthly, our social habits, over-talking, not listening, bad jokes, being picky. These are four irritations that I think most people would Say these have happened in our life. And listen, we are susceptible to irritations when we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're in a hurry, when we're hormonal, when we're feeling unwell. So we've got to find the best time to pick our moments. The Bible gives us great advice in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. I've already mentioned it. But we have to practice the value of peacemaking, of being tolerant and of compromising. In fact, Romans 12 verse 21 says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, one of the things that helps us in our, and I'd love to say we're perfect in this, but we are definitely not perfect. But, you know, if there's an irritation, hold your tongue. Speak softly. Pick the time to pick up the issue. Listen. Say you're sorry, if necessary. The amount of times I've spoken to couples who don't use that word one to another, it's amazing. You're not perfect all the time. Look at the person, if your husband's next to your wife. I mean, you know, look at them. They're They're not perfect all the time. In fact, they're not perfect at all. Learn to say you're sorry. So if we're gonna build blocks, I think live together, manage irritations. But thirdly, it would be unfair of me if I glossed over it. And I've called it cracking the sex code in marriage. I thought I'd get more of a laugh on that. But anyway, (laughs) cracking the sex code in marriage. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2 through to 6. Certainly, but only with a certain context. Again, Paul is being asked the question about sexual intercourse and relationships And he goes on to say, it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life, listen to me, in a world of sexual disorder. This was first century that he wrote it, and it's still the same 20 centuries later, 21 centuries later. (laughs) The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether you're in bed or not. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it. And it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come back together again because Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not, understand, commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. Four things that I want to say very quickly. Well, there's a statement and then there's four things underneath that. 
Sex is important to every marriage. But the marriage is much more than the bed. Okay, so sex is very important to every marriage. But the marriage is much more than the bed. Four things. Sex is good when in context. Let me give you the context. This is a loving, committed relationship, marriage. Secondly, sex is a gift from God to a husband and a wife. You know, we've had to say this. We've really, we've really not done ourselves any favours, the church. I'm getting hot under the collar now. I'm talking about this, so I better just... Uh... We've really not helped ourselves in church because we've made it something that's dirty and horrible and we've allowed outsiders to just take it, take something that was a gift from God and just pollute it. And, and in some ways, some of you may not like me talking about this on a Sunday, but I feel like I'm, taking a, I'm laying a stake in the ground and I'm taking it back in Jesus' name because this is a gift from God. We don't even need to be talking about it all the time. We don't need to be, you know, but, and I'm not trying to be profane and dirty or whatever. I'm just trying to take it back in Jesus' name. Sex is a gift from God. It's given for our delight. It's given for our pleasure in a loving relationship. You know, there's a, there's a, a church at the moment that's doing a series. They're doing the series on the Song of Solomon. My goodness, you want to read that book. My goodness, God help you, okay, as you read it. And it's, it's in the Bible. Thirdly, importantly, a good sex life does not ensure a good marriage. That is a complete lie. But a good marriage ensures a meaningful and good sex life. Don't believe everything you read or hear. And lastly, if we're going to crack the sex code this is for some of us we need to understand this physical attractiveness that means to say keep yourself healthy I remember Caroline and I was listening to a bible teacher before we got married and he cautioned the men men have a shower before you go to bed clean your teeth smell nice because if you think that's going to get that you're dreaming Then he went on to say, women, make sure you dress up nice for your husband when going to bed, clean your teeth, make yourself presentable, because otherwise he may begin to go and look at something else other than you. Now, you might say again, oh, Christian, no, I got it. I understood what he was on about, physical attractiveness, keep yourself healthy, keep yourself looking good, but there is a cautionary note here. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. Love them for who they are, not for what they look like. By the way, when I got married, I was pencil thin, honestly. I had just a mop of black hair. I've still got hair, mop of black hair, no grey. You know, our bodies are decaying. And by the way, Caroline, actually, I think Caroline looks better now than she did then. Listen, we're all fading. But we've got to learn to keep ourselves good and attractive. 
we've got to fall in love with the developing curves and the few extra pounds or the gray, gray hair or the loss of hair. You know, it's not just about what we look on the outside. It's what's happening on the inside. Fourthly, very quickly, we're not going to get to the last point, Chris, just for the notes. I, I think it's so important that we don't marry to change people. We don't marry to change them. Galatians 5 verse 26 says this, We will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. Far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. So I think it's really important as we're entering into this relationship and seeking to build healthy marriages, we celebrate them for who they are, their originality, the person you fell in love with. Don't be thinking, I'll marry them to change them. You marry them because you love them. There may be things that need to change. I'll come on to that. That's God's business, not yours. Secondly, encourage them and tell them daily how good they are. We're not talking about being, you know, sickly and whatever. But what I'm trying to say, tell them how good they are. You know, listen, if you don't tell your husband or you don't tell your wife how good they are, somebody in the office will. Somebody in the school playground will. Because most, most, you know, affairs happen not because necessarily the physicality is how they talk to me or they made me feel good. Yeah. They, they, they heard me. They listened to me. <laughs> it's interesting that. We need to be people who tell one another how good they are. Yeah. Tell them who they are in God. Thirdly, let change become God's business, not yours. Now, of course, you're in the process of that. But if you're forever saying, God, change, you know, and fill in the blank. God, change, you know, and, 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 I, and, I, and I'm going I'm to help you, God, in all this because they need to change. I want to say that actually probably God needs to change you who will then bring a change to them. Let it become God's business, not yours. The fifth thing that I talked about, I'll just give you the headline, is we have to practice the habit of happiness. I'm just going to go through them quickly. I think it's important that we're positive. We need to change our language. We speak well of each other. We do things together. We enjoy life together. And we make it a habit of preparing and growing together. Five simple blocks that just help us in terms of this marriage journey. Because honestly, my heart and my passion is for in Arena Church, for the singles and the widows and the widowers and those who choose to be on their own and those who are looking for a partner, for you to be blessed. But equally for those who are married, find themselves married. I want us to build healthy, healthy, strong relationships because as I started, it's the bedrock of every society. It's the bedrock of families. It's the bedrock of churches. And I thank God for what he's doing Amongst us. But here's the thought as I finish. The root cause of most relationship breakdowns, when you really drive to it, is a simple word called selfishness. Selfishness. How we treat our spouses. Let me just make a statement here because of time. Our spouses have souls. But if we're not careful, we think they exist for my pleasure. They don't. 
First of all, they exist for the pleasure of God. They're not something, a commodity to own. They're not just something that drapes on our arm to make us look good or feel good. They're not somebody who's just going to fetch and carry and do for us. It's way beyond that. You know, and we've got to eradicate selfishness from our lives. The only way we do that, I've realized, because fundamentally, I'm selfish. Fundamentally, I'm selfish. And if I'm being honest, probably most of us are. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. And the only way I've been able to really sort out my selfishness has been through God helping me. Because I want to make sure that selfishness is not at the heart of our marriage. I want to make sure that the selfless living is at the heart of our relationship. Colossians 3, as I close, says this. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. Quick to forgive an offence. Are we okay in the corner? Oh, is it? Okay, watch your head. No, this, it's all right. We don't all need to sit. We're okay. That's it. Great. Let me continue. Forgive as quickly and as completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of whatever else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. I want to simply pray for those in relationships today. You may be having struggles in your relationship. I want to say they are worth fighting for. Secondly, for those who have struggles in their relationship, I believe the best advice that I can give you is to invite Jesus into the center of your relationship. And thirdly, it may be that some people, and I don't want to cure of people, I don't expect that here, but it may be that you need to seek out some help through your small group. Somebody who just will talk you through an accountability. For other people, here you say, and I know many of you, you've got great relationships. Well, I just simply, I hope my message just adds fuel to you. Remembering, let's not take one another for granted. May we understand the needs of each other. And may we build healthy relationships that bring honour and glory to Jesus that people look on and think and say, wow, in a world that's so disorderly and so chaotic, you guys are building something that's so orderly and so functional that becomes an example and a model to so many people. May God help us. I wonder, guys, if you'd come and help me.